It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome to the 2023 first edition of the IDP Corner. My name is Justin Varnes. You can follow me on Twitter at Down with IDP. I'm one of two fantasy analysts handling the IDP section of the FantasyPoints.com website. With me, as always, is the other, uh, my better half of the IDP department, Mr. Thomas <laughs> Simons. I don't I- know about the better half here part, but it's good to be working back with you again, Justin. It's weird coming out of hibernation for the off season, but looking forward to it. Yeah, and I, 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 it's funny you say hibernation because I'm going to talk about exactly that uh, in, in, in my little segment here. Um, so we're going to run over. This is a little bit of a recap of what has happened so far. If you have also been in hibernation and it's time to start, you know, you're starting to get the um, notices, email notices that your leagues are firing back up. You want to kind of get caught back up as to what all happened Um you know, uh, in, in the off season, we're going to do a, a rundown of, of all of that, what we think are the bigger, um, moves and some of what has happened with the rookies. And, but before we get into all that, we're going to start, uh, Thomas has some, has done some really good research on run pass ratio, how that affects us in IDP land. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the quote unquote hibernation process, what I think is good and bad about it. Uh, as we try to, um, you know, handle all the different, you know, football is a 12 month operation. And um, as a fantasy player, that might be difficult for you to kind of hang into. So we're going to talk about some strategies for that. Uh, Thomas, uh, tell me what's been going on with run pass ratio. What have you found in all of your digging? Well, first of all, you mentioned that we're going to run over and I bet a lot of people out there who are listening to this feel run over (laughs) after uh, just getting, like we said, getting out of hibernation and starting the engines back up with run pass ratio. This is a tricky uh, statistic and, and tool that we can use. And what I mean by tricky is that you have to be really careful on the run aspect of the run pass ratio. And to give you an example of what I'm talking about, the Chicago Bears ran the ball 60% of the time, more than anybody last year in regards to their statistics. They had 558 rushes to 377 pass attempts. The problem is with this statistic is that 18% of those rushes were quarterback runs. So the top three um teams that did rush last year were the Bears, the Falcons, and the Commanders. And they ran 60, 57, and 56%. And, and there's only eight teams that ran 50% or more of the time. If you take the into account the quarterback running the ball, then you can turn around and look at per game rushes. And the Cleveland Browns actually ran the ball more than anybody per game. They ran it 30.2 uh, times a game. They had only 8% of their rushes were quarterback rushes. They ran the ball 48%, but 8%, just 8% was quarterbacks. And the Washington Commanders, same thing. They ran the ball 56% of the time with only their quarterback rushing 6%. That's 29.8%. So if you deviate away from or eliminate the quarterback running the ball, because that can be a, a planned um attack by a team like the bears or the the ravens 
or somebody, you know, teams that have rushing quarterbacks or they're scrambling for their lives type of, of rushes by the quarterbacks like the Commanders and the Falcons and so on. Well, you take those percentages out and the top three teams were the Browns, the com- uh, Commanders and the Falcons who ran either it was 29.6 um, rushes per game or more. And then, then you start falling into Dallas, San Francisco, then Philadelphia, who Philly is, is, is another weird one because they were ranked sixth overall with 52%. They were tied for fourth, rather, because they tied with the Ravens, Titans, and themselves at 52%. But they had a quarterback that ran the ball 17% of the time of those rushes. And the same thing with the Ravens. 15% of the time of their 561 rushes was their quarterbacks, mostly Lamar Jackson before his injuries. So when you turn around and you start looking at the 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 passes, then you got a team like Tampa Bay, obviously with Brady at the time, throwing the ball 64% of the time. 64%. That means they only ran the ball 36% of the time. They they and they weren't even leading the league in pass attempts. The the Chargers, who ranked second, had more pass attempts. They had 17 more pass attempts than the Bucks. So here you are, you've got two teams, three teams that, including the Vikings, who are 63% of the time or more, they pass the ball. In fact, six teams threw the ball over 60% of the time. Now that's crazy statistics. And, and of these teams, all six of them, only the Cardinals were 9% quarterback runs. Everybody else was 6% or less. So they're throwing the ball and not running the ball very much. And that is something that you have to be really, really careful of. Because if you take a look at the total number of plays run, the um, teams average around 67 and a half well, I shouldn't say teams average. They, they average around 59%, but the, the Browns had 67.5 plays per game. And of those plays, 48% of them are rushes and 52% were passes. So they're, they're a balanced team. And if you're, and the reason why I bring all of this up is if you're sitting here thinking about IDPs and how your IDPs are going to match up on a, a weekly matchup and you're streaming and you're thinking your defenses or your individual players, you have to take into consideration these statistics because they're vitally important. Yes, the Bears ran the ball 60% of the time, but of that 60%, 18% were, were by their quarterback, mostly Justin Fields. So if you're playing the Bears, you got to consider, well, you know, wow, am I going to be getting statistic, you know, tackles and everything from my DBs or from my linebackers or, or even my defensive linemen? In a case like this with the Bears, you're most likely going to get them from the DBs because they're scrambling. And chances are they're in a pass-oriented offense. But again, when you you look at the Bears, they only threw the ball 377 times. Now, was that designed rushes by the, their quarterback, or is that just the fact that they had actually 400 or so or more pass attempts, but they ended up running the ball because the pat he, he the pocket broke down or the their uh, receivers recovered or whatever the case may be. They limited the number of pass attempts that they had. So, I you have to be really careful on how you judge and and juggle these statistics in the run pass ratio. 
but you can use this in, in your favor on a weekly basis. If you know that a team like the Tennessee Titans, they're going to run the ball and, and you know, Travis, if they have Travis Henry on the team, there's always talk of Henry being moved. But if, the, if he's running the ball a lot and, you know, you've got teams like um, the 49ers, the Titans, Carolina, they run the ball 50% or more then okay. And if their quarterbacks aren't throwing, you know, Carolina 5% quarterback runs, Tennessee 7% quarterback runs, San Francisco 6%. Okay. Now you can sit there and say, my linebackers are going to be probably faring well against these three teams because they run the ball at least half the time, if not more. And their quarterbacks aren't scrambling on, on those rushes. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, uh, as far as using that to your advantage, it's one of the things that I, I was actually going to talk about, which is um, learning how to more or better embrace variance when it comes to your IDP scoring, because a lot of what you, you will see on your stat sheet, unless you are watching that game, which nowadays is really hard to do. We all play fantasy. It's only so many, you know, you, you have two eyes. You can't, you can't watch all the games. It's hard to understand why a player might get only three or four tackles for a couple of games in a row. The next week they get 10 or 12. Um, you know, how do you, did all of a sudden the player get good or did they get worse? All those sorts of things. So much of it comes down to, uh, obviously it's like the, the defense, their role in the defense and a, quote unquote, strong safety's role in one defense is very different than uh, that a strong safety in another defense. And some defenses, some defense, defensive coordinators will change their, their, let's say, safety's roles on a not only game by game basis, but sometimes quarter by quarter basis. And that creates so much variance that it can lead you down some, some, some bad paths where you think, okay, well, I'm going to get rid of this player or, or, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to dump the player I have who's okay because this this guy has picked up 10 and 12 tackles in back-to-back games, so I'm going to go ahead and grab him. When it had nothing to do with him being uh, where that would necessarily be sustainable. So run-pass ratio is a great example of that. I talked last year a lot about, uh, you know, you can picture it with Tom Brady and the and the and the Tampa Bay Bucks, right? You can picture that Brady is going to want to control the offense, so he wants the ball in his hands. So it makes perfect sense that the Bucks threw so much last year. Uh, that's going to affect tackles. It's going to affect passes, defense. It's going to affect all that sort of stuff. Uh, now all of a sudden, Tom Brady is gone, uh, and so right. you know the Tampa Bay offense is probably going to be a completely retooled thing. Um, and this is uh, what kind of leads me to the embracing variance part and how to process the offseason, because so much changes from from um, one year to the next. Uh, and if you have a particular linebacker or a particular safety or a particular cornerback, and you know, and they happen to run up against, um, let's say, in their division, right? Let's say we have some pass heavy um, uh, teams in a particular division one year, some cornerbacks in that division are going to have higher tackle rates uh, than, than, uh, than others. But then the next season comes around and then all of a sudden those offenses make some adjustments because their personnel changes. Somebody retires, they, they realize, you know, they draft a better running back, you know, whatever the case may be. 
they're going to make these changes and then you're going and if you're not careful you'll go and draft that cornerback next year thinking that they're going to be able to repeat that when things happen to line up uh variance wise for that player's um favor and it might not be the case uh next you know in, in the next season run pass ratio is a great way to to kind of look at that because um, I love that you mentioned like, you know, you can, as I just talked about with Tom Brady, you can picture the Tampa Bay Buccaneers running a very pass heavy offense. That makes sense. You probably also can see that a little bit with the, with the chargers, you know, because they've got Justin, Justin Herbert. Avery, right? Yeah. Right. Justin Herbert is a pass oriented quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And, but what makes that a different twist than for example, Tom Brady is they pass a lot to their running back. So Austin Eckler is heavily involved in the offense, but often it's, it's, you know, it, it's maybe more uh, via pass than, than the Cleveland Browns. And you can picture the Cleveland Browns. They've got, you know, they've got a, a great running back. They have a great offensive line. Of course, they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, so when it comes to the following season, how do you shake off the last season and then, and then get into the new season for me? And this is just my own offseason strategy. And this has come through my own experience of, of, of how I've done, you know, in, in, in the next year, the 12 month news cycle for football to me muddies the waters. It becomes hard to, to get what I call clean information, clean information. Here's, here is an example of dirty information. You read a, a blurb from some, somebody on Twitter, or you read some article and it says, you know, hey, you know, what what might be a really good idea is they should consider moving this guy to over here. And somewhere in your brain, you think, okay, next year they're gonna move they're gonna move that lineman uh, inside. But that was just one random uh, article trying to basically forecast the future, as opposed to waiting toward the end of the off season and and having a clean slate. You don't remember the last couple of weeks of last year, so you're not as pissed at those players who <laughs> earned you, and which means you're, you know, you, you might not draft them as much next year, which is, you know, you learn I, your lesson. Yeah, you know, so you don't want to think about too much about what happened at the very end of last year. It's very easy to get caught up in rookie hype, right? You, if you get too oh, into this, you know, you, we obviously are going to pay pay attention to the draft, which is what we did, but if you for the month leading up to the draft, every rookie just seems like they're going to be in the Hall of Fame. Thomas, <laughs> you know, you and I have talked about this so often, the, the rookie hype and how often it burns us, particularly with um, with defensive linemen. Especially so, right now, because you, you have these rookies who are getting touted as the, the next coming of, of a great player, and yet they haven't even put pads on yet. They haven't even made contact. So... You're getting information out of of players that are just running around in shorts and t-shirts. Yeah, and and our, our buddy Greg Cosell is is great about this about saying you know, this player has, you know, have certain physical a certain physical skill set. They have you know their arm length is is such, and here is what they displayed in college. But again, in terms of variance, there are so many other factors. How is how is this kid gonna handle you know? Uh, a brand new offense, an NFL style defense. Um, you know, how is he, how is he going to handle being a professional football player and the routine right. of it and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. So um, 
what I like to do is all but, like you said, I, Thomas, that was a great word for it, hibernate. I all, I all but hibernate during, um, you know, the, the 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 months right after after the NFL season is over, and then I, I want to kind of wake up, have a good clear picture of um, where the defensive coordinators have shifted. Uh, and and kind of look at each team. I start by team, not by player. Right. right? Uh, and and Thomas Thomas and I will go through this, and we'll basically reset all the rosters. Look at the roster and who they drafted and when they drafted them, where they went, where they spent their money. Not just that they got somebody in free agency, but where did they spend their money in free agency. Um, and match that with the defensive coordinator. We did this a lot last year. It's one of the reasons why uh, Thomas and I, Thomas and I, were higher on the Philadelphia Eagles as a team, but also mainly as a defense. When we kind of took that blank slate approach and we put it together, we we're like, "That's weird." Yeah. Philadelphia looks like they're going to be really good, and we would we didn't expect that, and a lot of people no. didn't expect that. No. But, but that blank slate thing, I think, sometimes can help, um, and that's what we're going to try to do today. We're going to try to recap some stuff, um, what we think would be clean information, things that we feel pretty confident about, less about opinion, less beat writer forecasting, and more about this is this is what it's looking like it's going to be. A couple of, of quick footnotes on what you're talking about. I mean you know that the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to change. You know their system's going to be completely overhauled because of the fact that Brady's not there. So I don't see them, and you don't see them, throwing the ball 717 times and running it just 398. That's going to change. But you got a team like Arizona who threw the ball 60% of the time, and they were playing from behind. They were throwing the ball 664 times for a totally different reason, not because their quarterback was was trying to run the offense and put it in his hands. It was because they were playing from behind most of the year, and they're going to end up doing that again this year. And then you take a look at of the top 10 um, pass attempt teams this year. Three of them are in the AFC South. You've got Houston, Jacksonville, and Indianapolis all through the ball 58% or more of the time. So if you got a team like Tennessee, their DBs are going to do well because they face these three these three teams six times total. So there's six games that your cornerbacks are most likely going to have good days against the, the division rivals. So uh, yeah, that that uh, that I love that trying to focus on the division because that is something that's a little easier to predict. You can you can say, well, look, you know, how can you stack all those variables in a way that um, you know. I'm forever looking at fantasy football and particularly IDP in through the eyes of, of, of a poker player, a bad poker player, but a poker player nonetheless, <laughs> where in terms of, you know, you can't play the games for them. All you can do is, is say um, this linebacker, this cornerback, this, whoever has, you know, has a higher percentage of chance of coming through. So you have to stack up as many of those odds. Is it, is it a team that plays fast? Do they throw a lot? Will they possibly be playing from behind? Is it a good tackle crew in terms of the home crew, you know, awards more tackles, uh, you know, uh, right. on a regular basis. If you can line all those things up um, and, uh, and you can even use la some of last year's data to help you during draft time. 
we're going to quickly, you know, over the next couple of podcasts, as we get closer to the, we're going to start talking a lot more draft strategy, but right now it's just almost like a reset of the IDP landscape. Um, and, uh, we've got some right. notes here that we want, that we think, like I said, is, is clean information. We kind of want to roll through, um, Thomas, you want to get started with, started with what you think are some of the more important, or maybe even these are free agent moves that either we think are important, or it might be that whether they're good or bad. Yes, exactly. And you know, the landscape on free agency moves and the landscape on rosters in general, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense have totally changed and evolved fantasy um, football completely. I mean, for example, I've, I've been with John Hansen since 1995 and I have never ever heard him say, I'm not taking a running back in the first two rounds. I've never heard him ever say that. And this year he's saying, I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver, because the landscape has changed so much. And and again, this all goes back to what we were talking about with run pass ratio. Uh, you have all but I think it was seven teams who were 50 percent or more through the ball. So 25 teams are throwing the ball 50 percent or more of the time. And he's in his respect or his outlook running backs are not as important or valuable as they were in the past. It's the same thing with us when we look at the defense and, and linebackers in comparison to changing defenses and schemes and, and teams are now looking for speed on the edge and, and you're bringing in more um, specialists and, and your middle linebacker is now becoming kicked to the side of the road. So your traditional middle linebacker isn't going to be uh, as prevalent or as consistent as, as in the past. Now, as far as notable free agents, I'll start with defensive line. The, the couple of ones that stand out to me are, are ones that I, I'm a little bit negative on, and one of them is Kalis Campbell. He just signed with Atlanta this year. I'm not sold on him because he's entering his 16th season. Now, he hasn't posted double-digit sacks since 2018, and this is one of the reasons why Atlanta's bringing him in. Now, he's not had more than 28 total tackles in three straight years and has missed nine games during those three seasons. That's not good statistics and, and good history for you. Now, Dean Lowry from uh, was formerly from Green Bay, is signed with Minnesota. Sacks are not his forte. Other than the 2021 season when he had five sacks, he has not had more than three sacks in any season since his rookie year in 2016. Now, probably you can target him for 23 to 25 total tackles and maybe three to four sacks. But other than that, don't. yes, it's a new environment for him. It's a new team. He is moving to another 3-4 system, but you've got those outside linebackers and Smith and Hunter who are edge rushers, and Lowry is going to be more take on offensive linemen to free these guys up on the outside. Now, a couple of linebackers that I've noted um, are Kazir White is moving to Arizona, and he's a starting middle linebacker this year. They're they're going into camp with him as their starter. And this is intriguing because now Zaven Collins is moving to left defensive end as the Cardinals shift to a more 4-3 hybrid. So Collins' numbers are going to, especially his tackle numbers, are going to go down. So 
don't expect him to be producing any of the, the statistics that you had in the past, which have been up and down and were inconsistent to begin with. Um, another setup or another situation that I, I want to discuss is the Atlanta Falcons. And they brought in two new interior linemen or linebackers. They, they are using Troy Anderson. They drafted him last year, but he's going to be playing a lot more in, in starting at the inside linebacker along with Caden Ellis, who they signed away from the saints. Now, one of these two is going to garner the bulk of the fantasy production. And if I was going to lean towards anybody right now, it'd be Troy Anderson, but I'm not sure which one is because Ellis can has the capability showed and flashed some fantasy production when he was with the saints. So that's still up in the air. The other linebacker I want to discuss is Tremaine Edmonds from the bears. He's going to start most likely at middle linebacker and the other addition that the bears made, which was TJ Edwards will most likely man the West uh, weak side linebacker. Now, while starting every game played, um, he has missed one or more uh, Edmonds has missed one or more games in, in all, but maybe one of his NFL uh, hit one of his five seasons. So, you have to be leery of Edmonds. Yes, he has the potential. Will he post Roquan Smith numbers? Well, yeah, he has the ability to do that as long as he stays healthy. And uh, Edmonds' brother moved, didn't he? Yes, he did. Terrell Edmonds moved to, to from Pittsburgh across state to Philadelphia. Now, the Eagles lost two of their starting safeties to free agency, and they signed Edmonds in the offseason, and Edmonds should begin training camp as the starting strong safety. Now, he's only played a full season once in the last three years, but he, he could provide you 65 to 70 total tackles if he's healthy. But he could also dip to 35, 40 total tackles if he's not healthy, and that's that's where you play the, the gamble game on, on Edmonds. And then another person moving um, from NFC to the uh, AFC is Sean Murphy Bunting, cornerback who moved to Tennessee. Now, he should begin training camp as a starting nickel or slot cornerback. And even though he's the third cornerback, he should see the field plenty as all three division rivals ranked in the top 10 for pass attempts. Houston, Jacksonville, and Indianapolis. All Now, Indy is going to be a little bit different this year. We talked earlier about how things shift from year to year, and Indy is going to most likely start uh, a rookie at cornerback, or excuse me, at quarterback. So, you, but you do have Lawrence, and the same thing with Houston. They could be starting a rookie as well. This could help Murphy Bunting, but it could also turn into a Chicago Bears situation where they don't throw the ball that much because the, the rookie gets happy feet and ends up running. Uh, another person changing teams is Byron Murphy, and he went from Arizona to Minnesota, and he begins training camp as a starting right cornerback. Now, he's missed, he missed eight games last year due to a back injury. Now, when he's healthy, he can supply you 45, 50 tackles and reach double-digit uh, big plays. Most of those uh, big plays are going to be passes defended, but he can be productive for you on a team that really needs cornerback help. So I'm going to uh, move on to uh, the rookie IDPs. Um, uh, so the only thing I'm going to say, uh, Thomas, a, a couple of things, n- notes from the free agent moves. Uh, I totally agree with you on Calais Campbell. The, uh, the factor that Campbell might play for my IDP sense is, can he be one of those um, like uh, Indomitian Sioux types 
where I mean, obviously they, they play a slightly different position, but uh, where they where Campbell can actually free up more Grady Jarrett. So now he has to stay healthy and get a lot of reps in. But Campbell could do that team a lot of good in terms of of just um, soaking up offensive linemen, which actually might help free up Grady Jarrett a little bit. I, I do like that. Um, yeah. And, and I agree with you about Troy Anderson and, and, and Caden Ellis. I'm leaning a little bit more toward, uh, Troy Anderson as well. They drafted him, uh, and, right. and, you know, they, they have bigger plans for him. I also want to mention one thing about the whole Kaiser white, uh, Zayvon Collins situation. It's a, it's, there's a good chance that that's going to get, um, even even murkier uh, in, for for all of those linebackers. We actually won't be get murkier. I should, I should probably get cleaner. Speaking of clean info, this isn't a hundred percent clean info, but this is something to 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 pay attention to. Um, Isaiah Simmons was talking to reporters, uh, and he had mentioned that he was that they're going to move him to like basically a full time defensive back now. Whether they really will move him to a full time defensive back or not is still a little too early to tell. But uh, I mean, it, it first of all, it makes sense, right? He, I, you know, I think he has a, um, a, a good skill set there, and he clearly hasn't been the linebacker. You know, well, we thought he was going to be a lot. I mean, we meaning the you know most of the the uh, the uh, fantasy analysts assumed he was going to play linebacker for um, Arizona, but he really hasn't had a great fit there yet. Even though I think he did play pretty well last year, um, so imagine that. Zayvon Collins moves to um, a defensive end and Isaiah Simmons moves to a defensive back role. Might be like a star position kind of a thing, or it might be a traditional safety position. Either way, that really does make things look good for Kaiser White. He, on paper, it might look like he's one of three linebackers, but when you start looking at where they're going, he might be the sole you know uh, contributor there as as a linebacker. So that'll actually will be pretty interesting to watch. You know, you you also bring up the fact that if Simmons moves to the DB, where they're going to play him? Well, most likely into a safety position. You got to keep in mind, Buda Baker landed on IR at the end of last year with a fractured shoulder. And we're not quite sure yet whether or not he's healed. And there's also talk that he could be a cap uh, a casualty in June. So there's that possibility that Simmons could be turned into the Buda Baker role. And they brought in, they, they drafted BJ Ojulari, who's had some issues with, with um, injuries during the OTA. So in the rookie camp, so Again, what you just mentioned on white is is spot on. So let's hit some rookie IDPs. Uh, I'm going to start with Will Anderson out of uh, out of Houston because I, I think something you said earlier, Thomas, uh, will absolutely apply here. So uh, obviously Anderson was, you know, uh, at least on our board was was the top rated uh, edge rusher. Uh, we were hoping he would find a good landing spot, and we think this is actually a really good landing spot. Now um, he's supposed to be starting uh, at left end, left defensive end for them. Uh, as always with rookie uh, IDPs and particular rookie DLs, uh, he is likely going to be as inconsistent as, you know, you know, remember everything with uh, Aiden Hutchinson last year, right? Uh, had some huge flashes and then, and then had some uh, plenty of games where he didn't do anything. And to Thomas and I, that's perfectly normal. That's what we saw right. was there are what we saw in the flashes made us feel better about his dynasty potential. But what we saw on the field as a rookie didn't shake our faith at all. That's what we expected. Anderson might be in a similar role. 
we talk about stacking uh, stacking variables you know in your favor. Thomas, I love what you said about the fact that so many, um, uh, or you know, in this case, I guess it would have been two of the three division rivals. They threw the ball a ton last year, yep. so Anderson might see more pass rush opportunities um, than than other rookie uh, DLs, which just may give him a few more shots at quarterbacks, which really could make the difference between some near misses or or possibly being one of the rare rookie DLs to actually post. Some pretty heavy uh, big play opportunities, I think. Yeah, and, and there's also the fact that Houston has a lot of veterans. They have Jerry Hughes, Chase Winovich, um, Jonathan Greenard. These these guys are also Jacob Martin. Their edge rushers, Derek Rivers. That Anderson will have to, you know, play rotate with. So yes, but the fact that he's in a division that likes to throw the ball a lot is pointing towards him having a busy season. It depends on whether or not he reacts to it positively, but still that's something that you have upside potential there. And uh, speaking of kind of a, a crowded um, uh, defensive line, the next rookie I'm going to talk about is Jalen Carter, uh, who's who's with the Eagles. Now, obviously the, the Eagles had a, had a great, um, you know, a great 2022 season and, and they're, um, in particular, their their uh, defense did, um, and uh, adding Jalen Carter uh, is just just such a great fit. I think uh, here's another guy who's uh, University of Georgia. He's gonna he's basically matching up. I mean, isn't it crazy how uh, he and Jordan Davis are gonna reunite on the same defensive line? It's it's as if it's not. It's as if I. It's it, the tea leaves are pretty clear here. They're trying to build some version of that dominant Georgia defense that they saw. Yeah. And uh, Nolan Smith and Nicobe Dean or Dean. Yep. Yeah, Nicobe Dean. They've got all all these players who played together. Yeah. So you know, all that stuff starts to uh, start starts to lead to something. Uh, I love having Carter on the team. Just a reminder that for years, even through a couple of defensive coordinators. For years, the Eagles have rotated pretty heavily uh, on their defensive line. Like bef- before, um, uh, before Jonathan Gannon, it was you know we had this uh, kind of you know I've mentioned it several times, kind of the alpha and the beta lines where we where they basically had eight defensive linemen and they would rotate them in shifts, which was great for their defense bad for IDP consistency. Um, they still have a ton of people on their roster. Obviously, we just talked about Jordan Davis. Um, they've got you know, still Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, some of these veterans, Josh Schwett, um, Derek Barnett, Milton Williams. I mean, there's a, that's a lot of, of IDP talent to rotate in. So I do love Carter going to this team for the team's sake, but I, I, how many – how many snaps are do you see Carter getting this year, Thomas? I could see him probably in the somewhere in the thirty-five to forty-five percent range. I, I, and it could go up if there's injuries to that defensive line. But I think what you're looking what the best gauge is Jordan Davis. Davis came in last year with the hype that Carter has this year. And I think you're going to find Carter is going to perform similarly to what Davis did in his rookie season. And you may not see a lot of him out of the gate, but he could become more involved as the season goes along because of this rotation. And that means that by the end of the year, his, his snap count is probably going to rise um, if there's injuries, obviously that snap count will go even more as long as that injury is not Carter himself. But, you know, you, you've got a very 
busy rotational situation. And, and the thing with the, the Eagles is that they'll slide their some of their defensive ends inward to bring another, like a Nolan Smith or rookie, bring him in on the edge rush, and they'll slide a, a, a you know a Graham or a Barnett into a tackle mode and yank Carter or Davis in order to do this. So there's a lot of shifting and moving and, and going up and down that line with a number of players. Yeah, and uh, you know uh, Carter uh, sliding in next to Davis, I think is 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 the future for this team. Uh, uh, so where does that leave Fletcher Cox? So Fletcher Cox has has been um, obviously a stalwart on this team. Uh, you know, he, he's the only team he's played for, but he's heading into his uh, age thirty three season, and for the last five seasons in a row, he his snap counts, his snap percentage is, is uh, um, you know, how they're using him has slowly but surely ticked down. It's gone from 80% to 78% to 72% to 70%. Last year was 65. Now, all that makes perfect sense. He's getting a little older. You know, I'm sure his, his legs uh, could use a little extra time off. The drafting of Jalen Carter uh, is yet another step toward um, giving Fletcher Cox even more time off and saving his reps. So Jalen Carter, I don't see being a major IDP factor. Um, Fletcher Cox, I think what it also does is, is it signals, um, which again, all makes perfect sense, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be harder for um, Fletcher Cox to all of a sudden bounce back into the 70, 80% range when, uh, you know, when, when we're drafting these uh, interior defenders to essentially take over for him, because in his age 32 season, 33 season, he, he, you know, there's a lot of tread on those tires. So if you've got Fletcher Cox or whatever, it's, um, it's going to be pretty hard to imagine that he's going to have one of the, you know, last year, Fletcher Cox had seven sacks, which is, which is the most sacks he's had since uh, 2018 when he had 10 and a half. I think repeating those seven sacks is going to be difficult. Well, the, one of the reasons why they signed him to a one-year $10 million deal this year was because of those seven sacks. But the Eagles have shown in, in uh, that they will let a good defensive player go, as they did with Javon Hargrave, who moved on to San Francisco, in order to bring in these rookies in Davis and Carter. So Cox could see the, the writing on the wall, especially with the fact they only signed him to a one-year deal. Uh, moving on to, uh, we'll, uh, to the linebacker situation. We, we do have a couple other rookie DLs. We'll just kind of quickly hit on and then move to linebacker. Maisie Smith, uh, in Dallas, uh, he's a, he's a huge dude. Um, yeah. And he's a great like run plugger there, uh, um, which I think is going to help their defensive ends. Um, and then, uh, Kalisha can't, can't see out of, uh, you know, heading into Tampa Bay. These are two, a little bit more quote unquote long shots, I think, I think Maisie Smith is going to be more of a uh, freeing up Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, whereas Cansey will his production is going to depend on how he uh, fits with Vita Vey. Makes sense. Uh, moving on to linebackers, obviously one of the bigger um, uh, linebackers getting drafted was Jack Campbell uh, in Detroit. As Detroit continues to rebuild their defense, they took Hutchinson last year. They grabbed Campbell this year. Um, uh, uh, where do you do you see him starting weak side strong side where do you see I him see, starting? I see Aaron Glenn uh, in his system he's going to use Campbell as a strong side linebacker now he's got um, Anzalone and Rodriguez as his primary linebackers so I could see Campbell starting the season as a two down linebacker on the strong side 
and that could create some issues for people who are if you're dynasty drafting him or auctioning him that's fine but don't plan on him being very productive right out of the gate because he most likely ends up as a two down linebacker even though he picked up uh, the Aaron Glenn system really quickly in the in the first few months of OTAs and rookie camp so far I mean, at this point, I'm just assuming Alex Anzalone is going to continue to uh, be an every-down linebacker for the Lions into the 2050-2060 seasons. I mean, it looks like he's going to green dot it. So he's going to be the anchor in the middle, and he's most likely going to green dot it. And we know we touted Malcolm Rodriguez last year. You you were all over that, and they wanted to use Rodriguez a lot, but he got hurt, and so that's been kind of an up and down situation there. And and that's going to affect Campbell. If Rodriguez is healthy, then Campbell will see limited snaps. Uh, the, the NFL loves uh, versatility. And we have seen a lot more of that on the uh, defensive side of the ball. We have a lot more of these um, Micah Parsons roles uh, when it comes to a linebacker who is an in, uh, inside linebacker, but also has tons of uh, edge responsibilities. Uh, and that's starting to uh, show up more often uh, around the, the copycat league. And I think this next player has, has the ability to, uh, to kind of fit that role for the Rams. And that's Byron young. Uh, he's somebody that, um, you know, he's obviously, he's an edge rusher, but he also can play, um, you know, more of that weak side spot as well. So this is somebody that could have a kind of a Micah Parsons role. Now, you know, Micah Parsons is, a, is, uh, is an athlete that's hard to duplicate. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Micah Parsons, but think for a second how frustrating it is to own Micah Parsons, and he's one of the best in the game at that. Um, so uh, watching what happens with Byron Young, is going to be interesting. I, he's not somebody I'm on this year, and I'm even a little leery of of, of getting too many um, uh, 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 shares of him in Dynasty, but he is, really is an intriguing athlete, and I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with him at, uh, in L.A. I, I think that you, with Young, if, if you're looking at Dynasty um, situations, I, I think that Young is somebody that you or you should target later and not put too many um, early chips on to begin with. I mean, you don't take him too early in drafts or don't spend too much on, on him in auction. Now, he is a freak athlete, and this guy is just – he has the dual um, speed and off the edge and as well as being very active in pass coverage. So there is the possibility he could be a three-down linebacker as a defensive end slash linebacker role rotating into that um, multi-dimensional role. But we're not – that whole Rams defense has changed so much from last year, especially in the front seven. It just, you don't know what you're going to get out of young. And, but they're and they have, I believe it, it's something like seven rookie linebackers and two defensive line, uh, rookie defensive linemen. Some of them, they drafted some of them, they were signed as free agents. So there's a lot of newbie newbieism going on in that, that Rams defensive, uh, a team, so it's going to be unique and funny, or not funny, but unique and different to see how they unfold. Uh, and we're going to close out the linebackers with with uh, a, another player who is 
I mean, this what they're going to do with this kid. I mean, he's got an amazing uh, uh, set of tools, and that's Lucas Van Ness uh, uh, for the for the Packers. Um, you know, this guy is an edge. This is kind of, kind of a, a similar, you know, different players, but a similar situation where he's got, uh, you know, he's got edge capabilities. Uh, he also ha- he can also play inside. He is somebody that certainly could. Um, I think he's going to grow into a very uh, um, productive and talented, talented NFL player. Uh, the question is how quickly can he get up, up to that pace? You know, we obviously already have, um, uh, you know, quite a few defenders there in, in, in green Bay, green Bay has, man, they've tried so hard to get not only some um, consistent and elite uh, pass rushers, but also uh, tried so hard to find um, more than one, a solid linebacker. They've tried over and over and over again, and I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Lucas Van Ness. But he certainly, to me, doesn't have an every down, you know, uh, uh, you know, top Field 25 tool, linebacker role out of the gate. Uh, it might be a while, but to me, he is a dynasty asset that I'm okay taking a shot at early. I'm going to have to get him early, and I'm just going to have to know that I don't think I'm going to get that much out of him during his rookie year, but um, do you see it that way, too? Or do, you, do you see his impact being a little a, a little stronger out of the gate? I know. I, I have... I totally agree with your point of view on this, especially with the fact that he, he didn't start a single game in his two seasons with Iowa, so he's likely not a starter, and especially in his first season, and you mentioned the veterans that they have. They have Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, who's coming back from an injury. They signed. Uh, they have Jonathan Garvin. They they took Justin Hollins from the Rams. So they have, you know, a plethora of edge rushers that Van Ness has got to overcome and fit into. So and with the, his history that he's not hasn't been a starter in in college is most likely going to be the fact that I wouldn't count on him this year as well. He may be a good fantasy stash or a dynasty stash, but not this year. So let's move on to defensive backs. Christian Gonzalez uh, for the Patriots. Um, I, you know, I continue to loathe uh, any Patriots IDPs <laughs> just because, you know, there's a good chance Christian Gonzalez is going to end up playing quarterback for them, knowing uh, uh, knowing how Bill Belichick is. He'll, he'll do exactly what we don't expect him to do. Uh, I do think uh, he's got, you know, Look, if there's anything, oh, Bill Belichick does a lot of things great, but one of the many things he does great is develop cornerbacks. So uh, if he's high on Christian Gonzalez, I think we could see him having a great impact on the field. But, um, uh, you know, as great as these cornerbacks have been for uh, for Bill, Bill Belichick, not a lot of them turn into fantasy assets for us. And I'm, I'm kind of expecting the same deal for uh, for Gonzalez. Yeah, and, and Belichick is known for the quick hook. If if he if the if the kid's making rookie mistakes, Belichick will be very fast on yanking him out of the game. So there's a lot of risk that is involved with Gonzalez. Deontay Banks for the Giants, I like him more. I, I think just just the um, you know playing in that division. I think he also has a shot at at, at starting, um, and and I think he's somebody who can can be a factor in the run game as well um, and, and, and match up and kick inside uh, as well. So that, that versatility, he's got good size. That could be a rookie uh, cornerback who you either, you know, I like to pick my rookie cornerbacks up off the, uh, off the waiver wire. So I, I'll have, 
I'll have Banks kind of uh, flagged as somebody to watch to see how he comes out of the gate. And Banks is a, is a solid tackler, and it was we brought up in the run pass ratio. There are three of the the NFC East teams are in the top six for running the ball. So he's not only a a big, um, you know, a a good sized or rare sized cornerback who can cover the big wide receivers and tight ends. He can also be a sure tackler against the rushing teams. And he has three of them in his division. I'm going to, I'm going to rattle off these last couple of rookie DBs who, uh, you know, we'll be kind of keeping an eye on uh, not only through, um, through training camp uh, and preseason, but like I said, also, kind of flagged for uh some potential waiver wire grabs if uh if i if we decide to punt on uh, on db sydney brown out of philly has you know did did pretty well during uh, otas you have devin weatherspoon in um witherspoon excuse me in seattle joey porter jr of course in pittsburgh julius brintz uh for the colts and jartavius martin for washington also emmanuel forbes both uh, forbes and martin as the commanders kind of uh try to retool their their uh db room all these are all players i think we're going to have our eye on um i don't see any of them being um surefire immediate uh fantasy assets but in general i don't think any i think there are very few nowadays particularly as um uh defenses have shifted into so many uh too high shells and so much versatility and so many dbs on the field at once i think uh the days of of kind of locking in a surefire db are, are are dwindling um which by the way again if you embrace the variance means that just gives you more to draw from and you can if you know that you'll be able to pick up uh, plenty of DBs off the waiver wire once the season kind of kicks in. That right. just gives you more bullets to fire at, um, you know, backup running backs and uh, and 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 you know um, other IDP assets too. Load up on linebackers, etc. And you had mentioned last year I was all over the 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 place with the the defensive backs and then telling everybody they're dime a dozen and it continues to to unfold like that in 2023 especially with the fact that you've got a lot of rookies who will be seeing a lot of playing time this year and there will be ups and downs there's there's it's a roller coaster ride with these DBs because one week they'll give you you know 15 20 fantasy points and next week they'll give you one now I like Sidney Brown because of the fact that he's, and as you mentioned, he's done so well in the OTAs that um, he's going to challenge Reed Blankenship for the starting free safety job in uh, training camp. And I also like uh, Witherspoon because they spent a fifth round pick on this kid, and he's most likely going to be a definitive starter. And you had mentioned Porter and Martin and Forbes and Brents. I think Porter and maybe Martin could be starters. Martin would be most likely a third safety, but Forbes is also a possible starter, and Brents could be the, the starting nickel. So the, there, those are some names that you tossed around that are pretty good. Um. Yeah, so lots of intriguing rookie IDPs. Uh, now let's get to uh, everyone's favorite part of the podcast. When we talk about all the people who uh, aren't healthy. <laughs> who you got for you us, know, Thomas? Well, you know, overall injuries were, were down, uh, I believe it was 5.6% over 2022 from 2021. But there were 23 more concussions last year than there were in 2021. So... Yeah, there's a positive note there, but there's also a negative note on that. Now, 
Chuck Clark was signed away from Baltimore by the Jets, and then they appears to have torn his ACL in an offseason program, and it's evident that they feel it's a definitive tear because they went out and signed Adrian Amos. Now, they already had signed Jordan Whitehead to play their free safety spot off of Tampa Bay and Clark to play the strong safety. Well, now it looks like Adrian Amos is going to be the strong safety. Um, Von Miller from Buffalo tore his ACL on Thanksgiving, but is hoping to avoid being placed on a training camp PUP list to be seen. Rashawn Gary, uh, he was seen working on the sidelines during OTAs recently after uh, tearing his ACLs just six months ago. Shaquille Leonard, Indianapolis uh, stud linebacker, has second back surgery but is targeting week one for a return. The fact that this is his second back surgery, there is a lot of risk there. Baron Browning likely starts 2023 on the PUP list, so that outside linebacker is is a candidate to miss the first six weeks of the season. Jordan Brooks on Seattle tore his ACL in week 17 and is questionable for week one. He also could be a PUP list candidate. And this is evident in the fact that all those transactions at linebacker that the Seahawks made in the offseason with Devin Bush and Bobby Wagner in particular. Now, Jamal Adams, speaking of Seattle Seahawks, he injured his quad opening day last year, and his status is questionable at best. Now, he hasn't played in a full year, so you have to go through training camp and the the preseason, the exhibition games, with the the idea that Adams is probably not going to see very much playing time, if any at all, and that you're going to take a gamble and roll the dice with him for opening day. Now, Raekwon McMillan was supposed to be the starting linebacker for New England. He tore his ACL and was placed on IR back on uh, May 25th. Now, you've got some notes on some players being signed recently, yes? Yeah, I mean, you know, so we've been kind of gathering this stuff uh, up over the, over the offseason uh, for this podcast, and we had like a um, little flurry of, of activity here, uh, basically, uh, right before we uh, decided to start putting this together. So just going to go over a few of those for you. Um, Frank Clark, uh, he signed with the Broncos, you know, the edge rusher out of, uh, you know, played with Kansas City for so long and before that Seattle. Uh, he signed with the Broncos. Uh, he should be somebody who starts immediately at their at their left defensive end spot. Clark's had an up and down career, um, r- really has shown Great flashes, uh, was injured, uh, um, you know, a couple of nagging injuries, I think, slowed him down in Kansas City. Uh, we'll see how he does with the with the Broncos, but uh, hopefully a fresh start there. We might see some some activity. Uh, uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, he uh, is, should be signing with the, the Steelers here. Um, uh, you know, they, they uh, cut Scott Nelson. Uh, so to me, that would be a pretty good uh, spot for Kwiatkowski if, uh, if, if that transaction kind of goes all the way through. Uh, and then one other weird note. <laughs> I love that I talked to the beginning about all this clean information, and this is going to be the second bit of dirty information I'm throwing out. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, the, but this you're is doing no- it because it's, it's most likely, and if I'm smelling this right it's going to be a patriot yes well exactly yeah so uh you know what i mean by dirty information is if it's dirt to me if it's dirty information (laughs) uh if it's muddy basically muddy information it does not change a single thing for me in terms of rankings i'm not going to move anyone a single bit 
It just means that now I'm looking to see if that does clean up and become something. So that's all this is too. And that's that uh, Jack Jones, the, um, uh, the, the cornerback out of, out of New England. Uh, apparently he tried to board a plane with, uh, with a gun or two and didn't have his ID. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, as you might imagine, they don't let you do that. Uh, he did, no. just plead, he did just plead not guilty. So they may have a good reason for it. Long story short, these sorts of things, I mean, it, it could, it could happen that all of a sudden Belichick just reads this and says, you know what, I, I, you know, uh, you didn't play a lot for me last year anyway, so I'm moving on. It could be that he doesn't care. It could be that the thing doesn't go to trial for, uh, you know, another year. It could be that they clean it up in the next couple of weeks. It's way too early to know that. The only thing I, you know, obviously it's something that I think more than anything, it, I'm looking at Christian, Christian Gonzalez and saying, well, there's an opportunity there that, that might mean Gonzalez has just a little bit less traffic to go through. Again, I'm not moving a single thing in, 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 in my rankings or projections, but just keep your eye on the Jack Jones thing and how it might affect what's going to happen in, uh, in, in the DB's room. And again, if Jones is for some reason not available, um, then that does actually kind of uh, give us a little bit more of a of hope that Gonzalez might actually uh, be a um, uh, be a, a rookie contributor. Remember that rookie cornerbacks basically there has to be a handful of things for for them to be effective, and this is across the board. We hear about the rookie corner rule all the time. Well, that really only applies if a few things happen. Number one, that rookie cornerback has to start out of the gate and play at least a thousand snaps, right? So you can be a talented rookie, but not see the field enough to matter. So it's not just immediate because you're a rookie, you've got great statistics coming your way. Uh, you also have to be drafted highly, you know, you don't have to be drafted highly, but the, the tea leaves say there's a few factors that would put a player into position to become a fantasy asset as a rookie cornerback. Those things have to happen. Gonzalez's outside shot of being that uh, gets a little bit clearer if Jones isn't on the team. Indeed. All right, my buddy. I think that's going to wrap us up. We got, uh, we're going to get out of here and right about an hour's time and and uh for the off season that's pretty good for us we've known to, we've been known to go 90 oh minutes God. plus <laughs> really <laughs> yes yeah, yeah exactly I, I sleep through half of it um yeah but hey everyone i hope uh this ca catches everyone up if you have decided to take the off season actually off and you're firing this podcast up to get caught back up Hopefully you feel like you have a, a pretty good idea of some of the, the major moves that happen. Um, Thomas and I will pop back on and we get a little closer to the, to, to training camp. Uh, we'll, we'll do what we normally do, which is check in with training camp, see how things are going, position battles, how these defensive coordinators are starting to look in terms of uh, scheme changes and, and rotations and stuff like that. Uh, in the meantime, hopefully this will get you guys all caught up. Thomas, anything you want to add? Yeah. Uh, until next time, be well and be safe. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.